Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today, I welcome podcasting legend Jeremy Slate to the show. Jeremy is the founder of the Create Your Own Life podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world. His show has been downloaded over two and a half million times, is in the, specifically in the iTunes 100, and at one point was the number one rated new show on iTunes. He also studied literature at Oxford University, was a competitive bodybuilder, and now specializes in using podcasting as a new media to create celebrity. The bottom line is Jeremy understands the power of podcasting, both hosting and guesting. The goal of any B2B founder is to expand and strengthen your company's reach and awareness. In today's episode, we discuss how guesting and podcasts is an excellent public relations and more importantly, and maybe more importantly, a business development tool. Jeremy teaches us a mini masterclass on how to get on podcasts and then how to leverage them. We cover all the do's and don'ts to get maximum value. If you're looking to grow your business and you're not guesting on podcasts, this is the episode for you. Enjoy, and now on to the interview. Hey, Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I am stoked to be here, Brett. You know, always great to get a chance to hang out with you. I know we were talking a little baseball before we got started here, and I just, you know, add a little value to your audience today, man. Oh, I, there's no doubt of it. I've been a big fan of your work for a long time, so I'm glad we could get the schedules aligned and, and, and get you onto the podcast. And, you know, initially, I think our, you know, some of my audience be like, wow, B2B founders, why do I care? You have a podcast legend, I'll call you a legend on the show. And oh, thanks, man. I'm a legend in my own mind. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> At least that's what your wife says, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so thank you for being here. To get started, why don't you share just a little bit how you get started in, in the B2B startup space? I know you do a lot of different things, but just kind of curious how you kind of ended up here. Yeah, so my master's degree is in uh, early Roman Empire propaganda. So I was going to teach uh, college. I didn't get end up getting into that PhD program. So ended up teaching high school, did that for a couple of years. My mom ended up having a really bad stroke and it kind of made me look at my career path and what I was doing and everything else. So I tried starting several companies since 2012 until like 2015. Every single one of them did not work and failed pretty quickly. I racked up something called credit card debt. I'm sure anybody listening to this has never heard of that before. Never. So I was, you know, really kind of back up against the wall. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to create something valuable, I need to kind of, you know, get something to pay the bills in the time being. So I ended up actually teaching myself how to build websites from watching YouTube videos and reading blog posts and like, you know, CSS and HTML. So I ended up working at a friend's marketing firm, why I kind of built this podcast. And it took off and we had 10,000 listens in our first 30 days. And we had a lot of businesses saying, hey, like, I really need help getting to my target market. I really need help getting in front of people. So like, all right, cool. We'll create this product called a podcast in a box. I had never hired anybody before at this point in time. So like, basically, I was going to do everything. And so what I was doing was building people's websites. I was putting together their social media. I was booking their guests. I was editing their podcasts. I was doing their graphic design. Like, as you can see, there was way too much as a part of this. And we had several really happy clients. But once again, I mentioned that credit card debt. I was even more broke than a joke here because I was, you know, taking on more debt to even like do these projects. I wasn't making money. And clients were like, hey, like, we really appreciate what you're doing for us. But the point that really makes sense and is really helping us get in front of our customers is being on other people's podcasts. Like, I don't really want to run a show. I'm not really interested in doing that. 
So, you know, that's where the idea for Command Your Brand came from. And we've really been helping people, whether it's in a B2C area or in a B2B area, to get in front of their target market for the last four years. And we've been having a lot of fun doing it, man. Got it. That's awesome. And I know, I think some people are just now discovering podcasts. I was a little bit late to the game. It was about two years ago Mm -hmm. where I was a guest on my first podcast and it was a lot of fun. And my whole journey was, Hey, I was going to write a book. You know, I've been in the industry a long time, almost, well, it is 30 years now. And so I thought that was a great idea. Share my wisdom. I always wanted to do it. And the editor's like, well, you should start a podcast because you know, then you can get a built-in audience. You've got a platform. I'm like, I don't know shit about podcasting, <laughs> right? So, I mean, it, how hard could it be? And it, it, I think, you know, I wrote about it not too long ago. The hardest part was hitting record for the first time. Yeah. And now 75 plus episodes in, I, you know, it's almost a way of life. And I love to do this. And I know there's folks now just discovering podcasts. And you probably have, know the stats better than I have. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, the people that do listen to podcasts will completely appreciate what you've accomplished with yours. Just that the first 30 days is remarkable. And I'd say, what, 98% never get to that period. And one, and we'll talk about your podcast at the end of the show, but highly recommend people listen to it. The the type and the breadth of guests that you have is is remarkable. Even though I was nitpicking with you before the show on too many Boston Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) I only only had, well, I had two actually, because I had Shea Hill and Brand on the show too. That in itself was a crazy story. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. So, and I, and again, we think there's the paths we can look at is, you know, does it make sense to start a podcast, which you and I would probably say yes. But I think, you know, what I was really intrigued by was the, the guesting opportunities on podcasts and mm-hmm. you know, thinking about it as a B2B founder, you know, how do I scale my business, right? The, yeah. the, the default a lot of times, well, I'm going to hire a salesperson great Mm -hmm. hand-to-hand combat you're going to help grow a little bit but how do you reach people so you know when you started a media company based on guesting I'm like perfect this is something a little bit different but I would you know it's I would say it's going to become more conventional than maybe what it is so Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit you could give a little background on you know what it is right sure people aren't podcasting then we can get into you know kind of your recommendations and best practices on how to do it so, uh, you know, what we're really talking about is appearing on other podcasts as a PR strategy because you're getting in front of other audiences that are already established. You know, they're already moving. They already have a, an awesome host and stuff like that. So you don't have to build an audience from the ground up. And I think that's why it's been so successful, especially for people doing book tours, right? Because they want to get in front of audiences. They want to do it quickly. They want to do stuff like that. So it really helps you to do that. Rather than saying, okay, it's day one, I'm going to build an audience, I'm going to spend two to three years doing this, and then eventually, you know, my business will see the success from it. What you're actually doing is you're siphoning a little bit off of other people's audiences to get attention and really building a relationship too, because, you know, a lot of podcasts, people listening to this will know like, hey, they're anywhere from 30, 45 minutes. If you're Joe Rogan, like 27 hours or whatever the hell he's at now. (laughs) I'm a big Adam Curry fan. I listened to his podcast called No Agenda, and he was just on Rogan, I think a week ago, and their episode was like five and a half hours. And I was just like, okay, guys, like I don't understand what's happening anymore. But anyway, so a lot of (laughs) podcast episodes are like 30 to 45 minutes. So people are actually building a relationship with you, right? Like anybody that's done radio spots or TV spots knows like if you get six minutes, that's amazing. Like that's a lot of time. And that's why like really building a relationship is something you can do in a podcast medium. And I also want to point out something that you said before, because it's actually a really great point. And you were talking about a lot of B2B founders and how they can actually help their team by going on podcasts. Because what we've actually seen 
is it doesn't make a lot of sense for your marketing person to go on podcasts and represent your company or your PR person to go on podcasts and represent companies. It makes sense for the founder to do that. Reason being, they have the company founding story. They have the grit. They built the company. They had the idea. So you're actually telling the story from a firsthand representation and that firsthand experience. So to me, you know, maybe you're removed from the day to day and you're kind of doing more of the managerial stuff, but it makes so much sense for you to be the one going on podcasts because you're creating trust for yourself and trust for your brand and you're making the job easier for everybody else. You know, those salespeople that are hitting the ground running for you. Yeah. And I think too, nobody other than the uh, founders, which they don't always understand, can speak with the same enthusiasm and excitement and passion about the business as, as they can. Right. Well, it's that too. And it's like, it, it's different when somebody says, oh, okay, well, I was hired by this company. Cool. Well, you didn't take the risk. You didn't do a lot of the stuff to start it. It's, it's a different flow, man. It really is. Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent agree. And you know, those are the best stories. I listen to podcasts of quite a few different types, but I do like the, I mean, the fact that we have you on the podcast, right? You've got a team. Now we could have put somebody from and say, Hey, podcast guesting is a topic and it makes sense. But mm -hmm coming from somebody that's actually done it and then built, you know, a really big brand out of this, I think, you know, speaks volumes and people do want to hear the founder story. Where did this come out of left field yep. or why did you, how did you start a <laughs> you know, podcast company? Right. Was that, what was it early history as your, your major? So. <laughs> so my undergrad degree is in Catholic theology. And then my master's degree is in ancient history, more specifically early Roman empire propaganda. I studied, I read this like really, really old article by this, this Jesuit priest named Father Cuthbert Leite about people kneeling down and worshiping the body of Alexander the Great. And I'm like, wow, that's really weird and interesting. And what I basically found is the Roman emperors use ruler worship of Alexander the Great to basically, you know, convince people that they needed to worship them for the next 500 years. So that, that, that's kind of what I was obsessed with for years in college. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think the, 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 your interest in those, you know, kind of, it comes out in your podcast as well, right? Because you're looking yeah. for the interesting stories. It's not the cookie cutter. Here's the five questions we're going to ask and let's get into it. And just the range, like I said, the range of folks that you have on the show is, is remarkable. So, all right. So now if I'm a founder, I'm like, all right, I can, I can get on board this thing. I want to be a, a podcast guest. I'm sure there's you know, you just don't roll out of bed and say, hey, I want to be a, a podcast guest. What's kind of your recommendations on how to, how to get, now that I'm thinking about the yes, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. What's what's a kind of a recommended approach if it's a DIY, right? <laughs> well, I, I guess the thing to, to, to go with here, since we're talking to a lot of B2B, they may be in a better position than most companies because most companies also, they don't have like a media page on their site and stuff like that. But companies that are more B2B are already thinking with that. But if you're hearing this and you're not like, you know, don't feel bad about yourself. Like it's important to have a page in your site that holds some of your media features and stuff like that, because it does help to enhance your credibility. So like, that's kind of one of the things you should be building first. And if you don't have a lot of that, I, I tell people to use what's called a small pond strategy, you know, find these small areas you're a part of. For me, it was a small town, five eighths of a mile in size, nothing really happened there. So when I printed a press release and put it in a local newspaper, it ran like unedited. I got to use my own title, all that kind of stuff. And it helped me to get a lot of early media pieces for our company. And I was able to feature a lot of stuff on the website. So what happens is once you start reaching out to podcasts and media, you're going to have a higher hit rate because they can, they've already seen like you're credible and you know what you're doing. So if you already have that in place, great. If you don't, you know, find your small pond. It could be your rotary club. It could be the town you're a part of. It could be your university, your lake community, whatever it is and get some of those to start running some, some articles about you. One of the best articles I've wrote, read on press releases, just Google the word HubSpot and press release, and it'll kind of walk you through how to write a good one because you need, you need news that's newsworthy. So that's kind of the first thing is you need your early credibility to show people that you matter and that you've done media before. Because 
especially with more seasoned podcasts, they're going to care to see like, what have you done before? And you know, how do you deliver yourself in that? So that credibility is important. The second thing is finding out like who are the exact type of people that you need to talk to in terms of a podcast audience. Like not every show is going to work for every single person. And, and at the same time, like, you know, don't get, you know, overwhelmed by vanity metrics. Cause a lot of people hear this and they're like, Oh, I need to be on the show with a million downloads and I want to be on Joe Rogan and I want to be on Tim Ferriss. And it's like, great. Well, if your audience doesn't listen to those shows, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just about vanity for you. Right. So you need to find out where your audience is, who do they listen to and you know, what's going to be the most important places to go. You know, after that, the, the really thing you want to work out is something that, that we call story message call to action. Your personal story, your brand message, which is usually three to five key teachable things that you can talk about and be flexible on. Like you don't get on there and just start, you know, doing your spiel. Like it needs to be something flexible and, and it answers to the questions you're listening to, right. but it's your message. And then the call to action is the action you want people to take at the end. So I always recommend even before you start reaching out, you figure out what that looks like for yourself. The more times you interview and the more times you go through it, you're going to feel a little bit better about it. But then when you're writing a pitch, meaning like the email or phone call or whatever it is that you're going to use to reach out to these shows, you're going to talk about your story because it creates credibility, right? Like people can see you've done it. And that's why I said the founder story is important. Your message, which is what you have to deliver for the audience. Not, I want my audience to buy your book. I got an email like that once. And I'm like, dude, you're kidding me, right? Like, I'm sure you want my audience to buy your book, but that's not a good reason for us to talk. So you want to talk about like what's in it for the audience. That's really, 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 really important because this is more of an educational platform. There has to be a reason people want to listen to you. And then once you kind of have those things down, I always recommend people start reaching out to smaller shows. And I, I have really found email to be the best way to do it. When I say smaller shows, I mean like less than 20 episodes, less than 20 reviews and stuff like that. Because number one, the audience is going to be smaller. So if you're getting your feet wet and you're kind of learning, it's not going to be as stressful and you know, you and the host are both going to feel good about it. And you're going to have an easier chance of getting those. And as you kind of get more and more and more of those under your belt, you can start approaching larger shows, you know, maybe over a hundred reviews and over a hundred episodes and stuff like that. But you want to kind of start with that smaller level to get your feet wet. Because I think one of the things people don't always realize is like, oh, I'm well known in my space and I'm, you know, I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm Joe Awesome or whatever it is. And it's like, that's great. But in the podcast space and in the media space, you may not be known. And that's why you still have to kind of start at that base level and build yourself up so that people can see how cool and you know, how great you are. Yeah, it's such a good point. I'm glad you stressed on the, the value to the audience piece because I do yeah. think too many people don't pay attention to that. And yep. you know, even as a podcast host, I remind myself every time, what is, what's the audience going to get out of this, right? Yep. It's, it's the value. And you know, when people ask me about starting a podcast, I'm like, you cannot make it about you as much as you I did to. that, man. And it, it was trash. My first podcast <laughs> was called Rock Your Life. And I tried to like be a life coach or something like that. It was so bad. And honestly, the, the thing that I've always tried to work on as an interviewer, and it took a long time to learn how to do it is you learn how to ask questions from the viewpoint of the person listening, because you want to figure out what value can I pull out for the people that are listening to me. And it takes, it takes some work to kind of, kind of learn that, but you, you can create some great content for the person that's, you know, spending some time and giving you, you know, their earballs for this. Yeah, no, that's so true. And listening is still a skill, right? That <laughs> forced to, and I'm getting better at it as I go through my journey on this, but it is because it makes, I think that's where the better, the value from the podcast comes is that dialogue and not just, you know, a pitch and you know, that type of thing. The one thing I wanted to go back a little bit, sure. you talked about the vanity metrics and I'd love to get your perspective on this because, you know, like my journey to where I'm at now, so podcast host is one, but you know, mm-hmm. I spent a good portion of my corporate 
or my career in the corporate side. So I've got a lot of people that are you know, VPs of sales, VPs sure. of marketing. And so my LinkedIn network is a little bit different. And, you know, when I talk, everyone guess who I'm going to have on the program ask about, you know, reach, you know, I promote all, all three aspects. Like, look, mm-hmm. you're going to get it on the podcast. You know, I hit it heavy on LinkedIn. So you've got a very diverse group and engaged group on there and then Twitter and, and some of the other pieces. And I think, to your point on the vanity metrics, you know, you want to hit the folks that are going to care about you and your product, right? Yes. So I think that's underappreciated sometimes. Well, I think one of the things with that too, that a lot of people don't get is like appearing on a podcast is a PR action. You know, as much as you want it to be marketing and you may get some sales, you may get some leads, you most likely will if you're, if you're doing a good job, but it is a PR action, right? You're creating that no like, and trust factor so that everything else you do works better. What I think people fail to think is they're looking at it. If I get in front of this number of people, this number will go to the opt-in page, this number will convert. Well, you're missing the really big variable. And that's like, what if you suck? (laughs) If you suck, you could get in front of 10 million people that don't go to your landing page and don't convert and don't call you. So like, that's the thing you really have to understand is as much as people want to make appearing on a podcast or running a podcast, a marketing action, it is primarily a PR or public relations action. It is creating a no like, and trust factor. Now, if you're getting your story message and call to action down, you can make it work more towards your marketing and that's great. And that means when you're sending people to a certain landing page, you're pixeling that landing page. So you can retarget the people at that page and you know, you're setting up really cool software I use called getemails.com that can actually retarget people and opt them into your email list too that have been to those sites. But it is primarily a PR action. So getting in front of a million people, if they're the wrong million people, aren't going to help you. Like if you show up and you don't show up to help, it's not going to help you. So that's why I feel like I've been banging the drum for this forever, talking to a lot of marketing people. Like this is primarily a PR action. They're like, oh, well, I need to be in front of 10,000 people and I need to be in da 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 And it's like, that's great, but I can't promise you those 10,000 people are going to be people that convert. Now, they may be the right people to create trust and bring in other opportunities and make your other marketing convert better and make more people know about you, which is really important, but it is not a marketing action. Yeah, and that's such a good point. And I do think I've started to rediscover the value of, of PR. I'm not doing it much myself, right. but I know there's a lot of opportunities. Just you said in the local market, right? You yeah. pick up five people there and then there's another 10 and the, the momentum just starts to build. And- well, here, here's a great example of that too. Like we had two people we work with both on the same podcast. One person did said it was the greatest podcast he's ever been on. They did $50,000 in sales directly from the podcast. The other person was said that podcast sucked and they wanted another one to replace it. No, interesting. So it's not the podcast. And that's why it's important to take a look at how you're talking about this stuff and how you're working about this stuff is you, you want to understand you need to show up to, to be helpful, to be awesome, to be educational and to really help and it'll create some awesome results for you, but you can't expect to be effect of it, right? You have to be effective right. with it. Yeah, that's such a good point. And, you know, one of the things I preach a lot is, you know, there's, you can't force people down the buying path anymore, right? Yep. There's, you know, people who are going to be ready, you're timely in front of them, you may opportunistically get it, but, you know, and I, I like to share my super simplistic look is right. When founders start the business, a lot of them I find, and even the ones that have scaled the business, they sell successfully into their network. Mm-hmm. The they in business, the bigger the network, the bigger the initial run of revenue, but they all get stalled at that point. Yep. And when they break through to get to people, again, super simple, the people that don't know you and have a problem, right? And then there's people that maybe know you, but don't realize they have the problem. And so mm-hmm. it's you know awareness and education 
that that can be really hard to reach new new eyeballs and that's yeah. why i think i think the the value of doing a lot of this is hey you're planting the seed and if you do a good job with the right content when they're ready mm -hmm. they're going to be thinking of you versus instant gratification right i'm on the podcast buy from me now right right so well it's even the trust factor right like even as a host like i'm sure there's people that you know they've listened to all 75 episodes that you've had and you know they would say hey you know brett recommends this i'm gonna go check this out so like that trust factor is so invaluable and you can't put a cpm on that or you can't put a number on that and you it, so that's why you really have to show up to create trust because an audience sees right through it and that's right. why the podcasts are such a cool and interesting medium is it can do so much for you if you show up as somebody willing to share and help if you just show up as somebody kind of like looking to get your leads and sales it's probably not going to work for you if that's your only purpose Right. Yeah. Audience isn't going to listen and you're not going to get the, the impact out of it that you want. So I guess that's good. Maybe a little bit of a segue into, you know, we talked about, think about the, the value that you want to sure. add. Def, make sure you listen to the show once before, at least one episode before you're make on sure you use the right show name. Yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit offline that I still have pitches that come in with the old show title. So it's to pay attention to the details, right? It's a very yeah. personalized business. We're trying to get people to be more personal. So, you know, from an outreach perspective, have you used or would you, is LinkedIn a possible platform to connect with people? Or you had mentioned that email is still highly effective. Well, so, so it depends. Cause like a lot of times our team, one of the first things they'll use is email, but they'll also, they use phone to call offices and see if they get in touch with people. They use social media, they do a lot of different things. See, the thing is, is you have to realize how resourceful are you willing to be if you really want to be on a show and you know, maybe it's emailing for that show. Like we have certain shows that wanna be reached out to via Voxer. I know very few people that use Voxer, but it's the important thing of realizing, you know, where does that person want to receive your communication and how is going right. to make it easier for them. And if it's more work on your end, but you're gonna get an awesome, you know, conversation and an awesome podcast, then, you know, be willing to do it. So you just have to also understand like what type of communication does that person want to receive? Is it WhatsApp? Is it signal? Maybe they're worried the government's spying on them or something like whatever, whatever it is to make it easier for them, you to communicate to them, show up where they want you, not make them go where you want because they're not going to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a losing proposition if you, you go that way for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And it kind of a side note, it's been interesting as I've listened to podcasts and I consume a lot of podcasts, I'll reach out to guests that I hear on different podcasts and just say, mm -hmm. Hey man, I really enjoyed, you know, the conversation and thank you for sharing it. And I probably get 95% acceptance rate, regardless wow. of how big or small or where they're at. And mm -hmm. again, I'm not asking for anything other than saying, thank you. It'd be great to be part of the network. Occasionally I've gotten, I've got a number of guests that way mm -hmm. where I've heard somewhere else and I thought maybe they could add value to the network. But yeah, I think your point is really well taken on being resourceful. <laughs> well, even like, like public figures, like, you, you know, you and I were talking about our love for baseball and I know as a Cubs fan, I could give you a discount on Gary Sanchez if you want it, but <laughs> he's pretty bad this year, but I've had a lot of success like especially with athletes like getting in touch with them on instagram believe it or not uh, like you know i had johnny damon nick swisher and i've had a few uh, aj hawk i've had a lot of these guys come from instagram and that's where they want to communicate so it's also understanding like you know if you are more of a b2b market linkedin's going to be your place man a lot of yeah. b2b people like live on linkedin so you want to figure out what that place is going to be you know, I had General David Petraeus on the show, the former CIA director. I got him through LinkedIn. I sent him a LinkedIn message and that's how we got it booked. So, you know, figure out where your market lives and where your market calls home and communicate to them there, man. And no spam. Be personal, please. Right now. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So that, I mean, this is good. I know I take us off topic a little bit, but you know, yeah. so we're now a guest, we appeared on somebody's podcast. Sure. You know, we don't leave it there, right? There's you know, some probably best practices after the episode airs. You yeah. know, what would you recommend kind of post episode? Well, number one, as a host, you'll appreciate this. Definitely share it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me to go on a podcast and not do anything with it. Like, what's the point? It's like going into somebody's house and saying, all right, where's my dinner? And make sure you do the dishes for me after I leave. Like, like what the hell? Why would you do that? So, you know, number one is make sure you share it. Like, you know, do the work to show that show you support them because that really matters. Number two is if you took the time to really, really connect with that person, one of the things I like to do is I like to share like opportunities that may come my way with certain people after that, you know, I try to, you know, network with them after like, Oh, I was connected with an astrophysicist recently, really cool dude. And I knew him and another podcast I would on would connect so well. So, you know, I do that connection, you know, what, whatever it is that you think you can do to add value to that person's life after, if you guys have a great connection, continue to, you know, foster that. Like, it's not just the podcast is over and done with, it's an incredible networking opportunity, an incredible time to spend time with someone that you may not always have access to. So that's why you want to do that. Like I had somebody on, gosh, four years ago now, and I found an obscure blog post where he said how much he really enjoyed G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. I collect old and obscure books. You may not know that. So I actually have a 1938 copy of War and Peace, which is interesting because it's the year World War II started. But I had a anthology of G.K. Chesterton literature that was over 100 years old. So I actually sent it to this guy. I mean, he was like super, super appreciative. We've connected a bunch since. We've, you know, chatted a bunch since. He's helped me with some stuff. So it's like, you want to figure out what can you do to continue to foster that connection and what's special for that person. Like, don't just be like, oh, here's a copy of my book. If he's got a podcast, he's probably getting 50 other books that are just like yours. And, you know, you're going to do what I did the other day. All right, here's the 50 books I didn't want that I got. What am I going to do with these? So you want to figure out what can you do that's unique to that person that you continue to build that relationship with because it is an incredible networking tool like with this person you're getting to spend time with. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And, and maybe it just took time with the podcast for me to start to learn and appreciate. And I do that. I do try to connect and stay in touch with with most of the folks and then connect other people that have been on the yeah. podcast. And it just becomes kind of a network effect. No, no pun intended with that. And here's the thing, like you shouldn't do things to expect things, but some right. amazing things will come your way when you operate like that. Like I just had Dave Rubin on my show from Rubin Report. And that came in from a referral from somebody that I just really hit it off with as a guest. And we've just kind of helped people out, you know, uh, helped each other out since then. And he's like, hey, would you like to interview Dave Rubin? I'm like, yes. So like it's, at the same time, like creating those relationships will create incredible opportunities. Now you should never give with the hope of receiving. Right. But if you just kind of give to help, some things will come your way. It's just, you know, reciprocal. Yeah. I'm a big believer in karma, right? Do the right yeah. thing. Yeah come back and, and pay you back when you, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from, I'm sure you would never, well, I don't know, you know, a lot of facts, you know, <laughs> Iowa State's football coach, Matt Campbell, he came to, you know, Iowa State, which is a tough place to win football games. And that's a great wrestling school, man. I'm, I, yeah. I wrestled in school. Okay. So then you can <laughs> at least that aspect of it. And, you know, as he's starting to build, he, you know, he's preaching to these players as they're building is man, you got to appreciate the process and trust the process yep. and love the process. And someday the process is going to love you back and they're starting to reap some of it. And I just think that's so important as, you know, do, like I said, expect nothing thereof, right? It's, it's like, this is fun. I'm glad I can help. I'll do anything I can help you somewhere, somehow. If something comes back, great. If not, you know, I feel better that I've helped somebody. So absolutely. Took a long time to figure that out in life, right? But yeah, <laughs> better late than never. So 
All right. Awesome. And one of the things I think, you know, even I, as, as I've guessed it, I could do a better job is I'll promote it, but mm -hmm. I'd love to get your perspective. And this is part selfish on my part is, Hey, I appeared on somebody else's, you know, podcast. And if I looked at LinkedIn, you know, they provide the image. Is there a kind of a recommendation that you had? So you're just not sharing it and say, Hey, thanks for the opportunity, which you absolutely should do. But how do yeah. I get, how do you get the most out of that appearance when you're, you're posting that episode? So I'm going to just preface this by first saying like, I don't always do this because we do get busy and I apologize when I don't to, you know, people out there listening, if I had been on your show, but I try to do the best job possible with this is number one, like just don't post a link and say, here's my podcast episode with blah, blah, blah. Like people don't know anything about it. Like you need to add right. context and you know, as much as I do, like the thing that does the best on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is one of our best traffic platforms is storytelling. Like, is there a story you can tell from that interview specifically? And honestly, like I'll get off some interviews and I'll be like, just so excited about it. Like, and a story we told that I'll write that story ahead of time. So like I was on a podcast where we, I was on a two and a half hour podcast interview where I got to talk about Greek philosophy and why I'm so interested in the Condottiere Cesare Borgia. So I had a great story to tell about that. And that's what you want to really find out is what kind of stories can I tell about this is going to create people's interest. Also realize at the same time, platforms like LinkedIn don't like when you share links. So you have to figure out how you can creatively right. share them. So one of the things I'll do is I'll at the bottom, you know, maybe I'll have an image or whatever, but at the bottom I'll say the link is in the first comment because they'll down any of these platforms will downrank anything that's a link because they don't want you to leave. They want you sure. to stay and just like, you know, consume some more stuff. So you have to also at the same time know the rules of the game of the places you're sharing. So I've just found that link in comments tends to be the best way to do that for me when you're telling a story. And I'll tell you, man, like I find writing my content for LinkedIn versus writing it for Facebook just to be a little bit harder because that 1300 characters sometime, man, can be hard. And then I'll write it and you get the red where it says you're hundred yep. characters <laughs> over. I got to go back and I say, okay, I can get rid of the word and and replace it with an and sign. So you try and figure out how to like make that story work, but you know, tell the best story you can that grabs somebody's attention and, and, you know, keeps them reading for 1300 characters. Yeah. hundred percent. One of the things I've been playing with and haven't gone all in and no number goes is video right little short video i found the video hasn't worked as well recently i don't know if you know dennis brown but he and he and yeah. i are in a, in a mastermind together and we were we were talking about this recently like the way video reacts on these platforms on linkedin especially has changed a lot recently i don't know why that is but a lot of pure text posts actually seem to be doing a lot better right now it's interesting because it kind of goes through like phases right Three years ago, it was just pure text posts. And I think BuzzFeed even did an article on this guy named Josh Fector that was one of the first ones to do it, who, who's now gotten kicked off of the platform because of a lot of the interesting stuff he was doing. But they called it broetry. You'd write a long form story and kind of try and link it somewhere or something like that. So that was doing really well. And then the platform brought in video and that did incredibly well. And then I could post, I could go out and just repost a goal, a goal cast video and get 100,000 views on it. Now, if you're getting 1,200 views, like that's incredible. So I think the platform changes a lot. And now we're back to this idea of just write a great pure text post and you're going to get more engagement that way. And, you know, I'm getting anywhere from five to 10,000 views on something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you're right. That's what I, and I'm become much more natural writing at the alt text versus yeah. that. So I'm glad. That it's really it, it can be harder. And you got to think about like how the posts are structured too. Like you get three lines before that little see more button. So those three lines are really important. Like I had, this is a couple of years ago, but I had a guy on that was, uh, he won a silver medal for Canada in the Olympics as a swimmer. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do something interesting here. So I had the percentage of people of the population that were ever be in the Olympics and the percentage of those that would ever win a medal. So I had an intense number of views on this post because people were very interested to click that see more button. So you got to realize 
that real estate, those three lines are really, really important to get people engaged into the rest of the story. It's almost like the headline, even though you don't it is, yeah. For, right? And you get you get more than a typical headline, which is nice because, like, you know, like if email headline, man, if you try and do nine words, that's a lot of words because you know those three little ellipses in most people's email programs are going to appear long before that. Yeah, no, such a good point. That's great advice for all, not just the podcast guesting, but just if you're using LinkedIn, I think it makes sense. And maybe to close out this this section before I get to my last two questions for sure. you. You know, what are some of the top mistakes that uh, folks may, I think we've covered, you know, a little bit of what to do, but what are the, some of the common things that you see founders or all guests for that matter do when they podcast or post podcasts that definitely don't do? <laughs> I had a guest on that actually did not run the interview and he was somewhat famous, but I'll leave, leave his name out of this. And he did his interview outside on his phone with no headphones, with airplanes flying all around. And it was kind of like, I'd ask him a question and be like, rrr, 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 rrr. And it was like, it was like, like the, the parents in Charlie Brown. So like, it, it was an absolute, sh- you know, horrible interview. I was going to, I stopped myself from swearing there. Uh, it was a horrible interview. And when I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, like halfway through the interview, could, would you mind like at least going inside so we can kind of like rescue this thing? And he goes, well, if you had a good editor, this wouldn't be a problem. And I'm like, any editor worth their salt knows that the sound file sucks. You have a lot, of, a lot of chance of not having a good interview. So I ended up not publishing it. So number one, like take the time, even if it's just earbuds, to, to think about the environment you're in when you're doing an interview and kind of respect the person's podcast you're being on. They're giving you time. They're doing whatever. Most people aren't going to be forgiving where they say, you know, hey, can we reschedule this and redo it? They're just going to say, wow, this is crap. I'm never going to call that person again. Right. So you want to take that level of responsibility. And that's really, really, really important. The other thing too is, you know, we kind of already hit on it, but put the audience first, man. Remember what is in it for them, what's not in it for you. It's really, really important because a lot of times if a host doesn't see it, if, if they're interested enough, but they don't see what's in it in the audience, they'll say, okay, well, well what is my audience going to learn from this? I, it, so you have to really, really, really keep that first and foremost in front of mind. It's just, it's got to be valuable to somebody. So like, those are the things you really, really, really have to, to be aware of. And also at the same time, I know it's a simple thing, but knowing what platform it's on. Like, let's say you've never used Zoom before. Do a quick test call with somebody. You know, I tend to use something called Squadcast for a lot of my interviews, but it runs only in Chrome. So like, you need to like know a lot of these things. So somebody will say, hold on, I'm downloading Chrome and their internet connection is slow. So it takes 20 minutes. And I'm like, I really need to reschedule this now. So like, just know a lot of the basics, you know, of that interview before you're going to jump in. And honestly, other than that, man, if you're just showing up and willing to talk to the audience, there's, there's not that much to, to really mess up on. Yeah, be yourself, right? I think yeah. transparent and honest is, goes a long way. And I think too, I think that's a good point on the quality. I didn't think about that because people are going to judge you one way or the other based on, you know, the overall. And people are forgiving, you know. Yeah, it doesn't need to lot. sound like NPR or something like that, man. But right. like if it's if it's difficult to listen to, that is always the first barrier and you're going to lose people there. Right, turn off your email dings and notifications and those things you don't get. <laughs> right, right. I mean, Bung. I think always circle. Which is the greatest thing about a MacBook, by the way. I learned I learned this last year, and I thought it was magical, but apparently it's been there for a long time. Is there's do not disturb mode, so like all of your your pings and bongs and whatever the heck it is that you get, like don't happen. It's pretty cool. And did you know on Chrome you can mute sites too that you may have notifications? So up on the tab you can right click like LinkedIn. You know when you get either a message or notification that sometimes will ping, you can actually mute the site. So you still get it, but it doesn't make any noise. I'm like, did not know that until about three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, 
All right. So Jeremy, really, really appreciate your time. But I, I mean, I close with two questions. One, you know, what, what's next for you and the team? What are you guys focused on here in the next few months? So actually we're doing a crowdfunding book launch and the race starts on Monday, which I'm really, really excited for that. So, you know, we're, we're basically doing a, a pre-raise before we actually do the book, which is really exciting. That's kind of like top of mind right now. We've also been working on, you know, we've been working with a company called Clients and Community, which are really awesome to grow our Facebook group and really use that as more of a client getting engine. So shout out to those guys over there, you know, Chris Stapleton, Jaden Easton, all those guys that are really doing an awesome job. So we've been working on that. So, so really that's what we're working on is, is we've got a couple big programs that are getting a lot of my attention right now. And that's what I'm most excited about. Awesome. And awesome. And last but not least, I ask every guest this, the same question. What is one thing that you would highly recommend? No pressure. <laughs> Don't drink milk on a hot day. Look <laughs> at that scene from Anchorman. Oh, it's hot. Milk, milk was a bad choice. You know what, man? No, I would say this. And I, I feel like a lot of your founders on here would know this, but at the same time, anything you want in life or anything you want in your business is going to take a lot more work than you realize. So understand that, estimate more effort than you think you're going to need to take and just go for it, man. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I will leave in, don't drink milk on a hot day because <laughs> uh, it's hot. Milk, milk was a bad choice. <laughs> we were talking a little bit offline. One of the highlights, if you haven't seen Anchorman, go see it. <laughs> Going back a little bit, how old is that movie now? Five years, 10 years old? Probably. Oh gosh, I don't even, what year did Anchorman publish? Because there was a second one even, like I, it was a long time ago, man. Hopefully in the 2010s. Like maybe like 2009, maybe? Yeah. Anchorman wow. 2 came out in 2013. Oh, yeah. If you're ready to feel old, Anchorman came out in 2004. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> years ago. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, I do feel old now. Thank you for that. Again, Jeremy, thank you very much for your time. If people, I highly recommend it. If you love podcasts, check it out. It's Create Your Own Life podcast. Any. Mm -hmm. You find it on his website, any of the platforms. And then I guess I was going to steal your thunder, but if people do want to reach out, yeah. what's, what's the best place to connect with you? Well, as we've talked about a lot about PR, creating trust, getting the right media and stuff like that today. And honestly, like, I don't want people to make the same mistakes I did because, you know, if you run your head into the wall 27 times, it's probably not going to break in the 28th. So I put together a really awesome white paper for everybody on here called the seven reasons you're not getting booked in your favorite podcasts. And it's going to help you really get set up in the right way to, you know, whether you want to get on podcast or harness the right media, it's going to help you do all that. So it's over at commandyourbrand.com slash seven reasons and the word seven or the number seven works for that. Mm, smart. And that's clever. And we'll link to that in the, the show notes as well. And I also highly encourage people to check out your blog and your content. There's a lot of really good content out there. So if you're oh, thinking you. about doing your own podcast, guesting on podcasts, you know, Jeremy's got you covered there. So. Jeremy, again, thank you. And once the book comes out, maybe we can get you back on to, to talk about that and keep tabs with you. And, and let me know when we get the first Cubs guest on there. On there. <laughs> hey, man, maybe I'll get the Yankees closer on. He was a Cub for like 10 minutes. Oh, Chapman, he won a World <laughs> Series. So quality of the person or not, you can be a, your own judge. But if you separate performance from you know, the personal, it's, sometimes it's easier. We can have a whole different discussion on that, though. <laughs> All right, Jerry, have a great rest of your day. Appreciate it and take care. Stay healthy. All right. Thanks, brother. Right, thanks.